Hello, welcome to the Tutors of Life podcast, episode 38. This is your host, Sean Tudor. And this is Sam. How are you doing today, Sam? Good. Um, I think I need to admit that I was wrong. I think that's, uh, that's an order. Yeah, I was wrong about what episode last week was. Yeah, but we got it right this week, 38, so we're, we're starting out on a good track. And we should be able to uh, go from here on a, on a pretty good a pretty good episode. I hope so. Where are we, oh, go ahead. Oh, you've been doing lots of research for this. I have. I've actually I've researched this week some stuff, um, and I'm, I'm excited for the topic. The topic is the psychology of money, and I came about this from um, Gary Keller did a podcast with Morgan Housel, who is the, maybe it's Housel, I'm not sure, who is the author of The Psychology of Money. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. I'm going to throw a warning out there to everyone. Um, you may hear the dogs bark sometime during the podcast. Because Mimi is, has been harassing Dash all day. Yep. Um, so we're going to work on not editing things like this out. Because once we have video, it will be a lot harder. Yeah. But if it's loud, we'll, we'll edit it out. All right. Should we get into it, Sam? Sure. Let's start us off, Sean. All right. What's Dogecoin at? Last I checked, it was 23 cents. 23 cents? Mm-hmm. Dude, let me tell you guys what. That is not awesome. No, it went down drastically today. Well, those are at 24, 24 cents. Dude, tell me how Bitcoin was up to fucking 66. Yeah, it dropped like 6,000, didn't it? Dropped it dropped 6 fucking thousand. Yep. Come on. Ethereum? Are you shitting me? Dropping 300? Come on. Mm-hmm. Damn, 400. Oh my god, you guys are killing me. Oh, I decided to stay long term in my cryptos and it kills my vibe when shit like that happens. That's okay. But we're in that. So, the psychology of money. We're going to discuss really the emotional side of money and how money is not like a lot of technical things. It very easily could be. However, most people do not, they don't equate it with the technical. They may talk about it technically, but a lot of their decisions get made emotionally when it comes to money. Mm-hmm. So what, what do you think about that, Sam? Like about what? That people think about money emotionally? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's very true. A lot of divorces happen because of money. Um, a lot of people lie about money. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like people think it's like a scary thing, but I guess it's because life kind of runs on money. Um, so people don't like to take it seriously, really. Yeah, it's neat. Uh, it it just it de- it depends on the person. It really depends on the person how they view money. Cause some people will be maybe very conservative with their funds. Mm-hmm. Whether it's something they developed as a child, maybe they like the security of it. Maybe they maybe they enjoy money and they just can't part ways with it. Right. Then you have the other side of people who it is 100% emotion. People have money and they see, people have money, they go to the mall, okay? The mall has a lot of flashy objects, Mm -hmm. a lot of things in in how they they set up stores um, with their displays and stuff are so people buy. Mm -hmm. And so... People will go into these stores now that they got a few bucks in their pocket, or maybe they don't have money in their pocket and they just got a credit card. So they're walking around, something triggers something in them that's an emotional response. Mm -hmm. And boom, there they are, purchasing something 
with money they probably should not be spending on that. Right. Yeah, because uh, that's why grocery stores and like a lot of stores put candy at the checkout. Because it's like a... Dopamine hit. Yep. So people see it, they get the dopamine hit, and they're like, you know what, like $1.50 won't hurt my pocket. Mm -hmm. But if they do it every single time that they go shopping, Mm -hmm. it can add up. Not only is it hurting their pocket, it probably ain't helping their health and diabetes. Right. So, uh, no, it's it's very neat to think of it, um, because it's so true. If you think about your own life, and you think about money, how, how you think about money emotionally, it, I guess whatever whatever you do with your money, right, you you have to you have to sleep at night with it. And, and so I guess if you take anything away, take away however you spend your money, make sure that you can sleep soundly at night with your decision. And not be up thinking about funds or, or be nervous or whatever. And that you are happy with how you spend your money. Did the couple in Las Vegas trigger this? Or was it the Greg Williams? Or Greg? Greg Gary Ke- Keller? Thank you. I don't know where Greg Williams came from. Um, the wife that won $5,500 on a slot machine. Oh, I forgot about that lady. Go ahead. But they, I think we talked about it in the past, the last podcast. Maybe. Um, either way, the uh, lady won $5,500 on a slot machine. She said, this is the most money we've ever won. And then said that she had to use someone else's ID because they have a chapter 13, which is what we figure out pretty much every in all the income they make, they have to like pay off their debts with or something. Yeah, they have to, because uh have to like send it to the the government because of whatever right yeah um but they like said that they go to vegas twice a year and all this and we're like man if you're having like money issues like that you probably shouldn't be going to vegas twice a year no or gambling on slot machines right absolutely that um that did not trigger this but now that you brought that up that's a very good example Mm -hmm. of um they're out there for the dopamine hit the high when they should probably be trying to figure out how to get that money um, paid off so that they get out of Chapter 13. Okay, so obviously some people think, don't take money seriously is kind of what what that lady made me realize. Mm -hmm. Because she hasn't been good with her money in the past. Mm-hmm. And has now a chapter th- 13 against her. She still isn't obviously good with her money, even with that. Mm-hmm. So she obviously hasn't learned how to manage her funds or anything like that. So I feel like yeah. people just like take it, not for granted, but kind of like there's always like a way out. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, there is a way out. Um, but I don't even think it's about managing funds. Because everybody... Okay, the majority of people know if you spend less money than you make, you're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. But there's a reason people emotionally don't do that, right? Because it's such a basic, simple concept. Spend less than you make. So if you never used a credit card, you didn't use any debt, and you only based it off whatever money went into the account, then you only had that amount to spend. Mm-hmm then people will be fine. Right. They, they, no one would have these issues. Right. The problem is it's people don't use it that simply, which is such a basic, simple concept. Whatever goes into the account, you can't spend that much. Mm-hmm. Too easy. Right. But for whatever reason, and, and, and it's just, what it comes down to is, I don't know if there is a way to train yourself to... I mean, there probably is a way to train yourself to think of money logically instead of emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what a, a person has to do or what a person can do, because it, it all depends on the person, is figure out what amount of money in your mind you are happy with or like you are satisfied with. Like finding your end zone, 
So if you can find your end zone, the end amount of money for for your lifestyle you want at this time. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess setting your expectation, setting your expectation, and then following that expectation through on like a spreadsheet. Um, so what I was explaining to Sam yesterday was when we were in college and we were going to college and we were like, okay, a good paying job is $40,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Quite a bit of inflation has happened since college. So maybe we'll say with that inflation, 50,000, I would 45, I would say 45, 45,000, 45,000 is, is a good amount of money. Is now, that for one person or two? One, 45,000 oh. a person in college. No, 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 no. I'm saying, I'm saying like when you were in college, because in college you're making like. Oh, like the regular people outside of. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So in college, we're making like ten to $15,000 a year. Yeah, yeah, We were making nothing. Yeah. So I think I averaged $15,000 a year for three years when I was in college. Mm-hmm. So I'm making $15,000 a year. I was able to survive. And, and I was happy. And do extra things. And do other things. Mm-hmm. So tell me how. My expectation, so I'm at 15000 and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm living like the fucking cat's meow. Mm-hmm. I'm having time in my life, okay? Now I'm looking at, at finishing out school, and I'm looking at careers, and I'm like, 40000 40, would be would be just fine. Mm-hmm. That'd be just a fine living. There, there's just nothing wrong with that. I'm thinking of what you could do with 40000 you know? And I'm making 15000 so you'd be able to do almost three times the amount, you're almost able to live a three times higher, you know, taxes and shit. At least double. You, you at least be able to double your quality of living. Oh, right. Right? But something happens in there, okay? Where you get to 40, okay? <laughs> Why is it when you, when you go from that 15 happy and you get to 40 and you're at 40, why is it that you go, fuck, man, if I was making 80... What I could do at eighty, you know, because mm-hmm. you 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 have new expectations of money. So, oh, if I just add a side hustle here, if I just did a little more here, it would be I could get a new car, I could go on a vacation or two, I could um, have nicer things, I could have a nicer house, I could instead of shopping at Aldi, I can shop at Festival. Mm-hmm. I prefer Aldi, but anyways. Aldi is way cheaper. Oh, you're saying that's what I'm saying. More expensive. Gotta go. Yeah. So, so people are like, oh, I can like upgrade my life instead of buying the fucking thirty dollar Cole sneakers. Now I can buy the hundred fifty dollar Brooks. You know. Mm-hmm. And so you're looking at these things, and and now your expectation of money has changed mm-hmm. because you you now expect more from your money. Mm-hmm. You now expect more from life. Okay. Mm-hmm. So. Figuring out a way, sitting down, writing out on a spreadsheet, and thinking emotionally, because emotion is tied to money. It's just how it is. You're going to have emotion tied to a house, to a vehicle, to to friends, family, money, almost work. Mm-hmm. Anything in your life, you have emotion tied to. Mm-hmm. So how can you... So, so sitting down and writing out your expectation of money and then knowing on paper what your expectations are then you can go forward to reach that expectation and here's where it becomes very important once you reach that you do not make a new expectation Mm -hmm. you stay at that expectation you stay in that quality of living this is very crucial that you don't just raise your expectation the next thing because then you're just going to be chasing money again. Right, yeah. And the whole point of life is not to chase money. Like, you, your, your goal in life should not be how much income do I have, how much money do I have. Right. That, Isn't it like you're not supposed to let money work for you, but you're... No, wait. You're not supposed to work for your money, but let money work for you? Yep. There it is. Yep. Um, that, that is definitely, that's a, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but so like with, with that, you don't want your, you don't want your purpose in life, your vision in life to just be money. You want it to be a bigger cause. Mm-hmm. And then if you truly want to be satisfied and happy, if every time you reach, 
like where you where your expectations are at for money, if every time you do that, you're just you you're not going to be satisfied because you're just going to be chasing that next money goal. Mm-hmm. So if you can figure out on paper and emotionally your expectations, what you want in life from money, then we can build a plan to get there. Then anything over that amount, anything over that amount, you're making just for fun Mm -hmm. or you're doing it just because you want to. You're not, you're not expecting anything from it. You're just going, whether you're going to work to help someone else, whether you're going to work because you enjoy it, um, going to work to just be a, 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 Citizen making the world a better place, right? Right. Or co- contributing to society, whatever it is. You are not working for money at this point. Mm-hmm. And that is the key of what you want. Now, over time, if you're sitting at that same thing, inflation occurs, things like that. You've been at your, at your expectation for some years. Then you go, okay. I've built up more money because of whatever it is. I can just increase my lifestyle a little bit. And but but the thing is, you're not making a new expectation. You're just increasing your lifestyle a little bit. So you're not putting new expectations on money. Mm-hmm. And that's what's really important here. So that way you are happy with your money and you're not just running around greedy. Right. Because if you're greedy, people aren't going to like you for very long. No. And nothing's driving you besides money. Right. So every decision you're making is financial, which is not, you should, if everybody could figure out money and do it on a spreadsheet, it would not be emotional. It would be, okay, do I have the funds? Yes or no. Okay. Will it take away from other things? Yes or no. Okay. And then you can make a decision. Mm-hmm. However, that's not how it is. Right now. So... That with having an end in sight, you can start building out what that looks like. Mm -hmm. With that expectation, you need to consider two very important things. Okay. Do you have an idea what they could be when setting your expectations? Um, Is it attainable? Like reachable? No, not really. That could be it. I mean, that's that is reasonable for maybe your career field. Mm-hmm. Um. Do you have to think about other people? Not thinking about other people. Oh. So you don't want to see what other people have and want that just because other people have it. So oh, what I, I was talking about like people like directly in your life. So like, do you have a wife, kids? But I guess that would just be part of writing out your budget. Yeah, that'd just be part of writing out your budget. Okay, sorry, continue. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, yeah, they, they would have to play a role and be on a similar page as you so that everyone's hap- like, happy, like, o- okay with that, those expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay, so not comparing yourself to other people? Not comparing yourself to other people. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And not getting your values from the media. Oh, okay, okay. Because if you go on social media, you see all these fuckboy, fuckgirl influencers, and they're posting all their fancy shit. Mm-hmm. They're taking their private jets. Mm-hmm. They're driving their nice-ass Teslas, Maseratis, Lambos, whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. So not comparing yourself to them, because guess what? We're never going to be like them. Well, you, you could be like them. But do you actually want to be like them? No, not even. Do you want their lifestyle? Because when you look at someone and you compare your life to someone, you either have to compare 100% of what they have. So you either got to be like, okay, you, you can't pick and choose from people what you like. Okay, yeah. You can't go like, man, I'd like to be as fucking rich as Elon Musk with as much free time as the bum down the street. It don't fucking work. Right. You can't be like, oh... Mr. Rogers, I want to be as kinding, as kind as caring as Mr. Rogers and have that well of a family life, but I want to have the money that Elon Musk has. Right. Well, guess what? That's not going to fucking happen. Mm-hmm. Elon Musk works 15 plus hours a day. Right. He, from, from, from the articles you read and the stuff you see, he don't get to spend that much time with his family. No, not at He's, all. He doesn't have a good home life. No. 
at least from what you see, right? He might have an all right one. He might have a, a good home life when he is home, right? Mm -hmm. But you can't look at someone and compare someone. So you can't be looking at a social media influencer, right? Mm -hmm. Who's making millions a year and be like, man, I sure would love that stuff, but I really don't like posting on social media. All right. Well, in order to get that, you have to post on social media. And then looking at the time they put in, where they live, the people they hang out with. A lot of the times, a lot of the stuff they're doing looks pretty miserable. Mm -hmm. A lot of the people they hang out with look like massive douchebags. Right. And so if you want that kind of stuff, you want that bling flashy life, well, guess what? You're most likely going to be hanging out with douchebags and losers if you want that shit at 25. Mm -hmm. Now, if you go, man, I'd like a Lambo by 50. Well, that's very attainable as a janitor. Right, if you save your money, right? Right. Spend smart. Yep. Yeah. So it, it goes, so don't set your expectations or compare yourself to people in the media or to other people in general. Do what would actually make you happy. If that's living in a decent house, you know, with a, with a decent car, and then maybe you want to take a few vacations a year. And that's your thing. That's your thing. That's what you should. That's what you should have written down. That's your expectations. That's what you should be shooting for. It shouldn't be. Oh, I need to live in a mansion with a Lambo because that's what uh, the Joneses are doing. So why do you want to live in a mansion? I don't actually necessarily care about a mansion. Um, I just really like the idea of uh, of living in a castle or owning a castle um, because. I like history and I really think it's cool the history behind like castles over in Europe and that um boy that those were like castles over there were like whole communities mm -hmm. and I just think it's a really cool piece of history that I would not mind preserving and living in no okay yeah no. yeah Anyways, I was just curious. A lot of like movie, a lot of the movies I like. My favorite movies are like old time movies. Hmm. You know, and like they, what? Um, boy, that's a really good question. I can't think of any offhand. Yeah, I was gonna say the last uh, time I've known what your favorite movies are, it's the Fast and the Furious series <laughs> and Bad Boy series. <laughs> that is so true. I do love. Those. Um, and I don't think there's castles in either of those. There's not. Well, hold on. No. The no. the car that you've always that you dream to have someday, that is in the Fast and Furious, so that you're not wrong. Mm -hmm. You're not wrong. I pay attention. Yeah. I just uh, I I don't know, I watch just a lot of like when we I like watching old movies. Or like not old movies, but movies that take place in like medieval times. Mm -hmm. And I just think casts are too darn cool. But I think I could suffice pretty well in life without living in, in a mansion. So what would you Describe Downton Abbey. That's like a cat. I consider that a castle. Okay. And then what about um, Peaky Blinders? Yeah. No, that's... I consider that a castle. It's, okay. It's just... Got it, got it, got it. They're, they're huge estates. Mm -hmm. So I just consider the estates and stuff the same as like a castle. Okay. Yeah. That works. That works. Yeah. Right. So any like type of estate, castle, stuff like that. I guess you consider those mansions, but I'm talking about like new... Like a new mansion, shit like that. I'm mm -hmm. not. I'm not all into that hype, new stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm into like the old school estates and and shit. Okay, cool. Yeah. I was just curious. Yeah. So that's kind of that's kind of how I feel about that. Cool. Um, I'm also. I mean, it just sounds like a lot of upkeep. Mansions or castles. Castles and estates. Mm -hmm. So you, I mean. Then you get to support the community by hiring members of the community right. to take care of your estate. Absolutely. There you go. Helping out the world. Mm -hmm. um, also off topic, okay. which it's fine. Um, one movie that I know there's Castle in that I, I know for a fact is your favorite movie ever. It is. I know what you're going to say. It starts with an M. Is it sarcasm? 
Are you being sarcastic? Hell yeah, but why can I not think of the name of the movie? Monty Python and the Holy Grail? Thank you, yes. Yeah. All I could think of was, we got the knights that say, me. Yeah, no. Um, Sam and I, the first movie we ever tried watching was Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I made it about 30 minutes and I said, what the fuck is this shit? And it got turned off and it's never been played again in our household. But guess what? There's fucking castles in it. There sure is. There sure is. Anyways. Okay. Yes, that was sarcasm, by the way. That I knew I knew when you started saying that shit, <laughs> I was like, yep, I know where this is going. I love the fact that you know the title of that movie now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I always thought it'd be like a good movie because I had some friends talk about it years ago. It is years. a great movie, by the way. Yeah. So anyways, um, no. So that is, so having an end zone, right? Is, is very important, okay? I think it's very important so that you are satisfied and you're not chasing money for greed, okay? Now, we have an expectation, okay? Or we think we have, or we're building towards an expectation, right? Now what we wanna do with our money is we wanna ask ourselves what we want, okay? So ask ourselves what we want. Mm -hmm. So we'll just take a house, for example, okay? Oh, yeah, because we just did this. What do we want in a house? Okay. When do we want it by? And how much are we willing to pay for it? Mm -hmm. Too easy. So if you look at the objects in your life, say you need a new laptop. Okay. What I, I want a new laptop. What kind do I want? Okay, figure out what kind you want. When do you want that new laptop? Okay. Now... How much are we, are we willing to spend that amount? And if so, how are we going to come up with those funds? Okay? So, very simple. What, when, how? Too easy. So, if you do that with all the things in your life, then you can make sense of a timeline for the things you want to make accurate, intelligent, responsible financial decisions to pay for it. Yeah, I like that because then you, especially when you use like the timeline, you can break up like how much money you need to save per month for that specific thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm hmm So, that's going to lead me into the next thing. Okay. Which is saving money. Okay. Okay. A lot of people save money for something. Mm -hmm. So people will save money for a vacation. Mm -hmm. People will save money by a car. Mm -hmm. Most of the time they just get along, but humor me. People save money by, say, a toy car. People are saving money for something. Now, how often do people save money just to save money? My guess is not many. I'm not imagining a lot. No, no. It, it's, it's the act of Saving money for something you have no idea that's coming, mm -hmm. right? So if we look back in history, history doesn't repeat itself, okay? History doesn't repeat itself. However, people repeat themselves. Yes. People repeat themselves. There are people that I know around you that constantly say the same things about money. And guess what? What's that? They say it over and over and over again and have not changed. About you saying about spending habits? Spending habits or someone will save up money and then they'll always be like, ah, oh, I got to spend this. Like I, I have money. I need to spend it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. People repeat themselves often. And so, when you're looking at history, <laughs> when you're looking at history, history is a revolving depression, recession, pandemic, 
war, and then maybe we'll have a good time for mm -hmm. a couple a couple years. Yeah, didn't they say just about every single election year, uh, some kind of air quotes pandemic starts every year? Every every yeah every election year, some sort of pan pandemic happens. But the thing is, they're never the same. So they're never the same depressions. They're never the same recessions. They're never the same pandemics. They're never the same wars. However, there's still some sort of that every so often, mm -hmm. every ten years, twenty years. There is something going on every. Four, ten years, whatever, it doesn't matter, right? Mm -hmm. If you look back in history, one thing that is constant is a flow of wars, depression, recession, pandemics for all of time. So maybe saving money for the unforeseeable future. For nothing, like save money for nothing. Just to save might be a benefit to people. Mm -hmm. So Gary Keller was talking about how um, he actually wasn't saving just to save. I'm sure he saves to just save, you know? Mm -hmm. But he was saving to buy a building in, in 2019. So I think in 2018, he decided he wanted to buy this building. And so he started saving. Putting away penny after penny, saving for this building. Then... At the late 2019, the people he was going to buy it from backed out, so they're not going to sell it. So Gary's like, shit, I saved up all this money for nothing. March 2020 hit, and Gary said to himself, boy, did that work out. Mm -hmm. Because he had a whole lot of money sitting around, and he had a lot of opportunity to, to take advantage of. Mm -hmm. And anybody know that anybody that knows what happened to the stock market... In March of 2020, we'll know that the people that were able to get in at massive discounts, a lot of stocks were at 50% value. Oh, yeah. They were cheap. So cheap. And so people that were able to hop in on those and take those up for 100% gain or more right. really benefited just by saving for the unforeseeable future. Mm -hmm. No one was, well, I ain't going to say no one. The average Joe was not predicting the pandemic. Right. And so if the average show would have been saving for this, or just saving in general, that would have been a very opportune time for them to take advantage and make a lot of money. Yeah. Isn't there some other people you follow that just kept saving and saving and saving? And then finally, like the 28 or 2008 uh, market crash hit and then... Those people had money, so they were just scooping up properties left and right with um, all this money that they had saved up. Absolutely. I don't remember who that was, but I know someone we listened to said that. Um, I've listened to some people like that, um, and then also in um, one of Tony Robbins' books, uh, Money Mastered the... Money Master the Game or something. I can't think of it exactly offhand. It's a, it's about investing. Mm -hmm. um, they talked about one gentleman who was a doomsday investor. He would not invest his money unless there was a crisis. And so what Tony Robbins was saying throughout the whole book, he laid out essentially like a good solid plan for somebody to invest to have long-term wealth and success. Mm -hmm. And then he gets to the end of the book and he goes, that does not mean you have to do it that way. Then he gave 15 testimonials of people who are multimillionaires or billionaires who did not do it that way, you know? Mm -hmm. And one of the guys was a doomsday investor. He did not invest. If things are going good or things are going all right, he would not invest. He just saved he saved. He saved. Then, go ahead. No, go ahead. Then Keep when going. something happened, he would invest all of his money and make millions. So do you think he thinks of money emotionally? I think he might have... There's probably an emotional attachment to it where he is not... He is not... He has to be emotionally strong to not invest in a in a decent deal mm -hmm. for years 
while he just waits for that to happen. He's mentally tough because he knows when to separate emotions to be emotional or not emotional. Very much so. Damn. Very much so. Very, very mentally tough. And honestly, it could have been on a spreadsheet too. Maybe part of his thing was he will not invest in a deal unless it's at 50% valuation or something. Uh-huh. Or invest in a stock at fifty percent valuation, whatever. Get a, you know, maybe that was part of his plan. And the only time he found deals like that, and the only time things were like that, was when there was a depression. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's possible. Yeah, that's but, interesting. Yeah, I just think. I mean, um, what's his name? Uh, Jason Lund mm-hmm. at Whiskeria mm-hmm. broke down how he buys deals. Yep. He does that. He does not. His buying deals and money is not emotional for him. Oh, no. He's got a method. Whatever he looks at a property, whatever he thinks the after repair value will be, times that by 0.65. So he's got 65% of that. So that no matter what, if he bought this property, it'd be at 35% equity once it's finished. So then he's got, it. He's he starts his calculations at 0.65. And then he subtracts the repair budget mm-hmm. from that 0.65 and that gives him his maximum amount he can pay for it mm-hmm. he will not pay anything more than that maximum amount well i think you have to also think about oh because he wholesales them too because he wholesales them yeah yeah. so that's like another so subtraction the, in there too yeah oh yeah sorry 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 yep so he does his so he starts with the after repair value multiplies it by 0.65 then he subtracts the repair budget mm-hmm. then he subtracts his fee or his profits he wants to make that gives him his maximum allowable offer, mm-hmm. but he does not start there. He goes lower because that's his max. So then he goes whatever he is lower to start the start the negotiation there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just for him, it is actually broken down to a science. He is not using emotion when he goes in to buy properties, right. which is a good thing because he buys a lot of properties. Mm-hmm. And so if you're going in looking at places thinking on emotion going, oh, I like this area or, oh, I like this because the property's laid out cool, whatever it is. So I can overpay a little bit because of these things. That's 100% emotion. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't find any deals in my area. So I'll pay I'll get by a deal out of 1.2%, you know, instead of following the 1% rule, I'll just do 1.2. That's fine. No, follow the plan. Mm-hmm. Do it on a spreadsheet okay, I have to get the property at this. And you don't have to do the same. I mean, you don't have to follow that method. Just have a method for yourself. Right. Whatever it is, if the property doesn't follow that, then you don't buy it. Plain and simple. Mm -hmm. You move on. Mm -hmm. Um, So do you think this is something that uh, people can get better with with practice? Oh, absolutely. So like Jason Lund, I mean, he's had a lot of practice. Right. That's why it's so just not emotional to him. It's just a calculation and it's... I'm easy. Absolutely. Because, I mean, any anything you do, um, most of the stuff you do at first, there's going to be a level of emotion with it because you're afraid to let that money go. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after repetitions and after a proven a science to it, you go, okay, I don't mind letting this money go because I can expect this or I know this will happen. And so then everything is based on the spreadsheet. Nothing's based on emotion anymore, which is very powerful. Right. And the more you practice that in Anything you do, the the more you'll be comfortable with it. So I should practice less emotion in our relationship? That'd be fine with me. Ouch. Just transactional based relationship. Yeah. Yeah. We can make it that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways, what else do you got for me? You got a lot of notes there, Sean. Yeah, the problem is I don't know where these notes take me. Um. So what Sean needs to do here is put these notes in a spreadsheet. And then he should put in order what he wants to talk about. I guess the problem is is I will always ask Sean questions. um, And they do not... Uh, follow his order that he always has. Correct. 
So I've crossed off like a half a dozen things out of a dozen things here. So now I got to figure out how things would flow back into a, a decent order here, which uh, is not the easiest thing. But all right, where where we finish off at, Sam? Um, we just talked about how Jason Lund has no emotions in his deals because okay. he does everything like in spreadsheets. Yep, yep. So, following that, you cannot view somebody's wealth. So, oh, like if you see someone, you can't guess how wealthy they are. I mean, you can guess, but. You don't know. If, it's not something you can gauge without seeing bank statements mm-hmm. or personal financial statements. Right. So you don't really know how wealthy a person is by the materialistic things or the lifestyle they're living. They could be dead broke and living a very high lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And you think they're a baller and have a lot of money when really they spend all their money on materialistic things and they're in a lot of debt. And they've, they've financed their lifestyle. Instead of instead of paying for their lifestyle, they've financed it. So what does that have to do with psychology of money? So people then are using their money as a means to a certain type of lifestyle. Okay? It's mm-hmm. so like an extravagant lifestyle. However, they are do not have the income to support it. So they're acting very wealthy or what you would think. They're acting like what you would think is wealth, but really it's a facade mm-hmm. and it's very easy for that to come crumbling down. Because if you have everything financed in life, your house, your cars, your lifestyle on credit cards, it can be very easy if something, if there's a correction in your income for your lifestyle to come crumbling down. Mm, mm-hmm. Where on the other side, somebody can be driving around an old beater, old beater vehicle. You think the old beater vehicle wearing normal clothes, nothing's fancy. You're thinking, man, these guys are just mediocre people. They, they don't got a lot of money. They could have massive wealth. They could have a very impressive personal financial statement and you have no idea. Right. Because you don't see it. And so when you're, you you almost have to care about what your own wealth is, right? Like you, ha- you have to care what your own wealth is and not base it off other people's. Because you might think that somebody, you may, all the people around you, you may think they have different levels of wealth and you look at their lifestyle and go, oh man, I'd like to be like that, whatever. But say you want to be very wealthy, and say you want to have, say say you want a net worth of $10 million, okay? Mm-hmm. And you're looking at people who you think would have that net worth going, man, I wish I had that mansion. I wish I had that those cool cars, blah, blah, blah. But maybe they don't have shit for wealth. Maybe they don't even have a million dollars. But you think changing your lifestyle and doing those things is going to get you to that $10 million right. in wealth. If the, if the $10 million in wealth is important to you, right? Mm-hmm. If that's what you decide was important to you. However, the dude driving around the normal vehicle, living in the regular 1,500 square foot, $200,000 house is actually the one that's got that $10 million net worth like you want. And so going, oh shit, that's actually kind of what I, what I got to do right, to yeah. make that wealth, to make that wealth a reality. Um, and so thinking, or keeping that in mind, like you, you don't see what people's wealth, wealth is. And if wealth is important to you and financial freedom is important to you, then don't base other people's lives off of, off of what you want. Right. So, um, I guess the, the last thing I'll do, the last thing I'll talk about here before, uh, that we, we, we can keep going on this and going into different ways of, you know, you you should only do things up to the point that they that they can naturally grow to, mm-hmm. right? That can be a whole another another podcast. Um, and talking about like a, a business and stuff only should grow to a certain point mm-hmm. before you're taking on more expenses and you're taking on a lot more risk for the reward 
when your business gets to that point, you should then worry about building a moat around it and really making that business a safe and secure investment, or like safe and secure business so that it can run optimally mm-hmm. instead of not. But that will be for a different podcast because we'll, we'll get in the weeds. The last thing I'll say here about the psychology of money. If you're looking at these people and you're thinking about how to reach that point right away, keep in mind, money that compounds is the ultimate like the ultimate winner. So the longer you can be in something, the better. So it goes back to saying like at if you from it said like from 20 years old to 29 years old or whatever, if you put $5,000 a year into a Roth IRA from 20 to 29, so that would be what $45,000 or whatever. If you put that amount of money in, or oh, it was tw- sorry, it was 23 to 29. If you invest from 23 to 29 and you put $30,000 away, by the time you reach 50, by the time, or sorry, by the time you reach retirement at 65, at 65, then you would have over a million dollars. So you only had to save the 5,000 for those six, six years. years. Yep. You'd have a million dollars when you go to retire. Dang. Because of compounding, right? However, if you started at 30 and you invest $5,000 a year until 65, Mm -hmm. it was the same amount of money. Oh, damn. So that extra six years of compounding is what made the difference. And so all that extra money you stuck in meant nothing. Right. It was that six extra years is what what did the difference. Damn. So these guys uh, on the podcast I was listening to explained Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett started investing at the age of 10. Mm-hmm. Warren Buffett from the age of 10 to the age of 50 made 1% of his wealth. Mm-hmm. So 1% of Warren Buffett's wealth was made from age 10 to age 50. So it's 40 years. 40 years. Okay. From age 50 to age 65, when the normal person retires... Warren's Buffett wealth, he gained two more percent on his wealth. So in the next 15 years. So we're at 3%. So we're at 3%. Warren Buffett gained 3% of his wealth. In 55 years. In 55 years. Okay. The next 97% of Warren Buffett's wealth, and the reason he is the top 10, in the top 10 wealthiest men, or wealthiest people, was made from age 65 to age 90. Wait, you said 97%? 97%. So 97% of his wealth came from 65 to 90. So when the average person wants to retire, that's where Warren's Buffett wealth, Warren's Buff, Warren Buffett's wealth came from. Damn. It's from retirement age to 90 years old. Compounding. Mm-hmm. And so if you're thinking, oh, I wish I was as rich as Warren Buffett, think of what that takes. That takes 80 years of compound investing. 80 years of compound investing. Do you know what Warren Buffett's net worth is? I don't offhand. It's, okay. that, it's over $10 billion. Um, So pretty much what you're saying is if you want to like invest for your retirement, invest more at a younger age mm-hmm. because that'll compound faster. Correct, but also not to have unrealistic expectations. Mm-hmm. So don't and, and don't worry about if your goal is to have an if your goal is to have a net worth of ten million dollars or a hundred million dollars. Don't think you have to go balls to the walls and get there in 10, 20 years. It's all about how long you can be in. Mm-hmm. So if you're getting into the inve- these investments, say it's it's regular IRAs, you're getting into regular stocks, IRAs, stuff like that, maybe some cryptos, real estate, getting into real estate, because guess what? In 30 years, you have uh, average annual annualized appreciation of 2% a year. Mm-hmm. Safe, okay? So you have 2% appreciation a year. 
and in 20 to 30 years, those properties are paid off depending on your loan amortizations. That's a whole lot of wealth you're building, but guess what? It's all about the time you're in. And that is the key. The longer you can be in the game, the wealthier you'll be. And so don't think you have to get all this wealth fast. It takes time and let it take time. Don't be overly risk adverse because you will end up out of the game bankrupt and you will lose all that progress. So don't think of money emotionally. Think of it on a spreadsheet and take your time. So kind of like a business too, even. A business is the exact way, the exact same. Okay. Because, I mean, you can make a business super successful. You can grow it, do all that stuff. If that business only lasts five years or ten years, it doesn't matter. You want that shit to last 50 years. Mm -hmm. Damn. The psychology of money. That's what I got for you today. I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you learned a thing or two. And uh, go into this world and try to be a little less emotional and a little more logical with your money. Be an adult is what I like to say. I don't like saying that because I know a lot of broke adults. Well, no, I'm just saying, like, I've always thought of, like, adults being very non-emotional, like, very yeah. sensical with their, uh, yeah. um, not emotions, with their actions. Um, most adults these days are not like that. Yeah. Uh, but that's why they're child adults, not adult adults. Act as what you thought an adult was when you were growing up. Yep. There it Do is. That. All right, thanks for joining us, gang. We'll catch you on the next one. See ya.